Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I have been watching this lady that I'm going to introduce you to on LinkedIn for a number of months. And I finally reached out and connected with her. And I'm so glad that I did. I cannot even express to you how much I enjoy having intellectual stimulating conversation. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Wilma Slenders. She's a fellow Canadian. She has her PhD in organizational management with a specialization in leadership. And one of the things that I really admire and love about her is she expresses that her most valuable thing that she brings and gives to her clients is honesty. So right away, when I met her and I spoke to her, I could just see how she demonstrates heart-centered leadership so beautifully. So I'm excited to interview Dr. Wilma today and for you to get a little insight to her leadership, her executive coaching, her strategic advising, and the consulting work that she's doing. So Dr. Wilma, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Deb. It's uh, great to be with you today. Well, I am so excited to interview you. And I shared with you as a funny joke that the first Wilma that I knew was from the Flintstones. So now I can say I know two Wilmas and, and you're a Dr. Wilma. So that's even more special. Thanks. Yes. I, I, I think it's only people from a certain generation. Uh, I was, I was, I remember the Flintstones. I was just going to say there's going to be a certain demographic of a <laughs> population. So I'm so excited to ask you some leadership questions. So I'm going to dig right in. My first question, Dr. Wilma, is could you share with us where your passion and your drive came from that really led you to pursuing your PhD in organizational management and then deciding to specialize in leadership? It's a, it's a, it's a really interesting question. It's, uh, it's been an evolution, actually. And I think that each part of my journey has led me or did lead me to the doctoral studies that I did. So specifically, my dissertation was on CEOs and their trusted advisor relationships and looking at it from a CEO's perspective and really exploring and trying to define what those relationships were like. And I, I, I think about um, what led me to that particular topic was that as a consultant, I was working in organizations with relatively senior people. And oftentimes when I met with them, they would wanna talk about things that 
they didn't, um, I know they didn't talk about with other people, things that um, made them vulnerable, things that they were confused by, things that uh, normally uh, in a consultant client relationship, you wouldn't talk about because if that information became public in any way, then the, um, you know, it could be detrimental to that individual. And so it fascinated me, why is this person doing this? And what makes me actually the recipient of these conversations? And so um, in terms of the research, I wanted to look at exploring um, what that trusted advisor kind of relationship looks like. So it's, I, I know I'm not directly answering your question. Uh, I think though that having been a leader, of course, having uh, worked for people who are leaders, having worked for people who weren't leaders, um, yeah, I've learned a lot about leadership and um, just looking at you know, the, the idea that there's management and leadership and some people believe that there's no overlap. I believe there's a lot of overlap. So uh, bringing my uh, master's degree in management together with my PhD in leadership um, got me to a place I think that allowed me um, to support, um, advise, coach, uh, consult with leaders in order for them to become their best selves. Um. I'll tell you what I love about this answer. I love a few things. I love that you gave us some inner space to say it's been an evolution because I believe when you do that many years of school, it absolutely is an evolution. But you touched upon two really important things that I know we all as executive coaches see this, whether we're working with management level, senior leaders, executive teams, or C-suite leaders, is that wall of resistance and putting vulnerability on their sleeve because it might be interpreted that they're a weak leader. And this is part of the shift that I'm wanting to interview people like yourselves, Dr. Wilma, because we need to bring the heart-centered leadership approach without any agenda so that we can get to helping those C-suite leaders and trusted advisors. And it's amazing that you did your dissertation on that. I was going to ask you and really break down the barrier of that relationship, which in itself is an evolution. So I'm just so fascinated with that. I can fully see your evolution to where you are, where you are today and the work you're doing. And it just, it really, really inspires me. My, my second question is what all of my guests get and share with us what imperfections you bring to your heart-centered leadership. Uh, probably too many to mention, but I'll, uh, I'll touch on a few. And uh, again, I think uh, through a number of processes, um, taking my coaching program as well as doing my doctoral research, I um, gained some insights in, into these imperfections. And um, I'm not going to say they disappeared. I think I'm just more aware of them at this point. So one is um, 
very much being action oriented. So I'm an action oriented person. People used to refer to me uh, as, you know, Wilma gets the job done. You can count on Wilma to get the job done. And, um, you know, it takes a certain kind of mentality, uh, a certain level of confidence. And, um, you know, usually uh, people who have uh, that kind of quality are not necessarily, um, you know, listening to other people all that well, aren't necessarily uh, seeking other people's uh, input or advice. And so um, I still have an action orientation. However, in the coaching world, as you well know, um, sometimes it's not about action. Sometimes it's about um, needing really to listen deeply to the client. It's um, really serving their needs. And so coaching is a form of a process, but that process is, is really driven by the client and not by the coach. And so I think that's certainly one of the things, that action orientation, that just wanting to jump to action. A second um, would be, and, and the coaching program really helped me with this, is um, the tendency to, to uh, jump to judgment. And um, as part of our coaching world, that's something we want to avoid. We don't want to judge people. We want to be there. We want to hear them. We want to honor them. And our role is not to judge. And so their choices are their choices. We may or may not agree with them. And so the coach role and the advisor role are quite different. And so for me, uh, when I'm in a coaching relationship, it's important to think about what that relationship requires. And going back to the action orientation, um, of course, in coaching, silence is our friend. And it's something that I've really needed to learn um, over my career. Certainly the last 10 years, I would say I've gotten much better at it. And I was doing uh, taking my coaching program at the same time as I was doing my doctoral research. And it was really interesting how one informed the other. So I interviewed CEOs across Canada and the US about their trusted advisor relationships. And all of these were in person, so pre-COVID days. Um, and the thing about interviewing people is that you need to answer the question and then you need to shut up and you need to let them answer. And um, I wasn't very good at that before. And I became better at it uh, through the coaching process. Well, it's there's just so many nuggets in there, uh, Wilma. The first one is, you know, it makes me think of a cliche or something I heard my Irish Nana say to me over and over as a young girl. If you want something done, ask a busy person. And I think we all can get stuck in that cycle of, you know, doing, 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 and have that obligation, which just lands us, lands us up flatlining with exhaustion. But the listening and getting silent really resonates with me. And, and that's why a few years ago, I actually chose to pursue 
becoming a yoga teacher because I wanted to be a better listener. And I, I wanted to listen to really understand other people without having that, you know, that knee jerk reaction of wanting to always interject or express our own viewpoint. And I think being heart centered is being silent in your leadership, really exuding that heart centered leadership and listening really allows us to develop the quality of being trustworthy. So I really love how, again, it's been such an evolution for you and just so, so interesting to hear. And I love your perspective on it. My next question is, I love the name of your business and I'm a big lover of words and you chose the word transcend. So by definition, it means to be or go beyond the range of limits. So tell us why you chose that word and what does it mean to you? When I first started my company, I, um, yeah, there, there, there's some, some depth to my answer and some very superficial, superficiality to my answer. Uh, one is that uh, for some reason it had to be a T word. So you know, transform, transact, uh, transcend, it just needed to be a T word that started the name of my uh, company. And um, yeah, T's a, it's a strong uh, consonant and it just, I just knew that. And so it, it played along, uh, played around with a number of different uh, words and I ended up with uh, transcend. And I think transcend, um, the meaning of the word had, it, it's meaningful on many different levels. So as you mentioned, transcend means go beyond. Uh, I think that's uh, just really at the heart of what I do. It's encouraging and supporting people and companies to go beyond their current reality, to look at things in different ways, uh, look at things from different perspectives, look at themselves from different perspectives and really overcome some of the constraints and barriers that exist um, both individually um, and within their company. And so it's about seeing what the possibilities are in the future. And change is all about transcending so we evolve, we change, we transcend our current realities to become somebody else. Um, so we're still ourselves, but in terms of our being, we become a somewhat different person or company. So the transcend piece um, is important uh, because I feel that I've transcended uh, in many ways. I, I keep saying I'm reinventing myself. I've probably reinvented myself about six times in my life uh, or in my career. And it's at the heart of what I do. It's about change. And um, I think we all have the ability to transcend. If some people 
um, come to it naturally, I think. And other people understand that um, by engaging someone, a professional, a coach, for instance, that there are, uh, that they need assistance and they value assistance to become the person they want to be. I love that. And I, I love that you're drawn to the letter T. I love that it is a strong, strong consonant. And it's just got such personal meaning for you. And I think every entrepreneur that's listening to this podcast today will concur with you. I think we reinvent ourselves all the time. And we have to keep up with the trends. And, and, and after the year we've just had, and we're still in remnants of it, we've had to go digital. We've had to go remote. So I love the name of the business. I love the personal meaning to you. And again, I love that reinventing yourself, I think really is in alignment with your evolution. Absolutely beautiful. My last question, Dr. Wilma, is I would love for you to explain for the listeners the difference between, and I did not know, disclaimer, I did not know what you did your dissertation on. So it's funny that I have this question for you. Explain the difference between a leader and a manager and what trends you've seen over the last year. Right. Well, this is actually one of my favorite topics about uh, leadership and management. Uh, so I believe we need both leaders and managers. And I believe there's a lot of overlap between the two. So that's different than uh, what some uh, people believe or think. So a manager, the management function is focused on controlling, on directing, on adhering to processes, about doing things a certain way. So that's what I see the function of a manager being. So it's essentially um, running the business in, in my view. So it's all those things that, that every business needs. So the accounting function about processes, um, reports that need to be created, uh, hiring people. So it's that kind of more functional or mechanical part of the role. How I see leadership is really about, um, it's, it, leadership is a process of social influence, which maximizes the efforts of others towards the, the achievement of a goal. And so inherent in this um, description or definition is the idea that um, people trust the leader, that the leader is able to create a compelling vision uh, for the future, that um, they're empathetic, heart-centered, that they care about their people, so caring and compassion. So it's about really creating the vision, getting people aligned, um, getting their input into it, helping, uh, people see their, their role uh, in, in achieving the goal of the vision of the company. And it's, it's, it's not a mechanical kind of, uh, 
process. It's highly dependent and um, unique to each individual leader. And so on the leadership side, I believe that there's a continuum of leadership styles. So on the one end, you've got the command and control autocratic leader. On the other end, you've got the laissez-faire leader and many different styles in between. So highly effective leaders use um, a number of these different leadership styles to accomplish their goal and um, move the company forward. So in terms of, I think there, there's a lot of overlap. So I would suggest that an individual who's frontline in, in a company typically does probably more managerial kind of functions. So a, a team lead um, might be somewhat inspirational. And so as I see people moving up the organization, um, there's a lot more time spent on the leadership piece. So the, the people piece versus the management piece, which is that uh, controlling and operating function. Well, I have never heard anyone explain it like that. And again, such alignment with what you did your dissertation in. And I can see where we do need both but I love how you broke that down. And I love how you coined that leadership is a process of social influence. So powerful. It could be a whole other podcast on its own, Dr. <laughs> Wilma. It, I, it, could, it could. And um, I didn't answer the second part of your question. So I'm um, not sure if you'd still like me to do that or not. About absolutely. Yes, please. All right. Um, so trends. So, I mean, this past year, uh, I don't think anybody uh, predicted a pandemic would happen. So most companies were not prepared. Uh, some were more prepared than others uh, in my experience. So one organization that I'm familiar with were able to convert um, you know, from being in the office in person to remote work within a 12 hour period, which is pretty darn amazing. Um, interestingly enough, they practiced a uh, risk scenario the year before, and it actually was to do with the pandemic. Uh, most companies, I think, uh, really did not, were not prepared and it took a lot longer. Uh, the, the trends that I'm seeing is that we know that technology and artificial intelligence is um, being, the use of that, it's becoming more and more prominent. And uh, I like to say the future is now. We, we think that uh, use of technology, robots, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, all of those concepts are in the future and in actuality, they're not. I just think most people don't really have a good understanding of, of what really is going on in that sector. And I'm going to admit, I don't have a good understanding of it either. Um, so, the use of technology can uh, be good or bad. And one is that uh, sometimes technology will um, basically replace humans in jobs. So the technology can do that more easy, uh, do the work more easy. And you know, there's, there's a cost there too, right? In terms of saving salaries. Um, so I see in particular managers the managerial function, as I had talked about before, I have seen some research and some thinking that 
that group actually is going to be hit very hard in terms of elimination of jobs because a lot of managerial kind of uh, functions can be done by technology. So I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is that the, you know, we'll continue to see massive change. I, I saw a quote that said, um, you know, today uh, will be the, um, sorry, today will be the least amount of change that we'll see um, as we move forward. So every day things are picking up, moving faster. And our human brains, unfortunately, are not really well equipped to be able to deal with that. And the multiple layers of change happening in organizations. Um, I call it the tsunami of change. There used to be a change and there'd be a, a plateau, status quo, everybody got used to things. And there'd be another change and another plateau. That's not happening anymore. It's just constant change, layers upon layers. And it's a challenge for leaders because if we think about, well, and managers, certainly yeah, policies, procedures, processes, uh, they can't keep up with the new reality. I was uh, speaking with uh, someone uh, a couple of days ago who said, you know, and, and they're in the marketing website development uh, field that, you know, it's changing the, the language is used, the, the way they're used, they're changing on a daily basis. And even technologists can't keep up with those changes. Um, I think younger generations in the workforce are really looking for purpose and meaning. And so, um, you know, they, they want to know that what they're doing is making a difference. They want it to have an impact. They want their companies to be socially responsible, have social consciousness, um, which, you know, again, there's um, some pressure on leaders in terms of how do you uh, align um, employees' purpose of meeting with that of the organization? How do you tap into that? to make it work for both parties. Um, I think overall, and there, there's some other trends that I'm seeing related to morality, ethics, and transparency, and certainly uh, globalization. What I've seen this past year, and it's been, I think, a challenging adjustment for many leaders. One is that they're not seeing their employees in their offices. So they, they can't just stop by and say, hey, Joe, what do you think about this? Or, hey, Mary, I'd like you to work on this. Um, that Those kind of conversations are not happening. So leaders have to be very intentional in terms of uh, striking up a conversation uh, with their employees. So setting a time, setting up a Zoom call, uh, et cetera, picking up the phone. Uh, so, so the dynamics of the relationship the leader-employee relationship has really changed. Um, some employees are facing challenges uh, working from home. So for women that um, don't feel safe in their homes, uh, working from home creates a whole new dynamic 
when they used to go to the office, they would get out of that environment for a certain amount of time. Um, but now what we're seeing is we're seeing an increase in domestic violence calls, um, an increase in calls to sexual abuse hotlines. So the, what does a leader do in those situations? How much does a leader need to know, want to know um, about what's going on with you know, the individual and, and their individuals working from home? Um, I've seen the need for leaders to be certainly more caring and compassionate and flexible. So I think what the COVID crisis has taught us, uh, contrary to what many major companies thought, is that people can work very effectively and efficiently from home or from anywhere for that matter. Um, I think what they've realized some leaders have realized, not, not all, is that their leadership style needs to change, has needed to change in terms of interactions with employees, uh, with regards to expectations, uh, with regards to amount of work that gets done, and even how they show up as a leader. So as a leader, um, being caring and compassionate has become more and more important. Vulnerability has been become more important. Um, leaders are dealing with the same issues as their employees are. So sometimes sharing some of that frustration, some of the feelings uh, is important. And it used to be that that kind of vulnerability was not encouraged. Um, you needed to be strong. You need to be, you know, tell people what, what they uh, needed to do, tell them your expectations, uh, not too much slack, which tends to be more of a command and control leadership style, but we still see that, to now um, thinking in a very different way. So I've, I've kind of gone on, on 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 this topic. I could go on probably for another hour, but I'll I'll uh, I'll stop it there. No, it's you know it's we could have a whole multiple hour conversation on the trends. And I, I'm grateful that you took the time to share because there's trends and then there's trends that not only in business and, and, and leadership, but also, you know, touching upon what you said about domestic abuse and, and all the things that we're seeing along those lines. And it is a tsunami of change and we're not getting an opportunity to process things, catch our breath, have a, a, an opportunity to plateau. We're just going from one thing to another thing. So really beautifully framed and, and I'm glad that you took the time. I'm gonna switch gears and ask you my, my fab four. And these are just four fun, fast questions. We just wanna know what's sitting on the top of your mind. These are the questions you don't have to think about. First question, tell us something that we don't know about Dr. Wilma. Uh, Dr. Wilma used to be a speed skater. I used to be a long track speed skater in my early 20s um, and a speed skating coach and spent three months in uh, the People's Republic of China in Harbin uh, coaching and training uh, junior national uh, short track skaters, in fact. 
Look at that. See, I would have never guessed. <laughs> Second question. Do you have a word or a mantra for 2021? And if so, please share. Um. I'm not so big on on words uh, in terms of themes for years, but I know a lot of people are. If if I had to pick a word, it is courage. And um, I see this year as being uh, very um, impactful for me in uh, in terms of uh, my continued evolution and being courageous about. Um, the conversations that I have and what I stand for. I love that. Third question. What is the best advice you ever received from a leader or a mentor? Um, I have to think back to my Accenture days. Uh, one of my managers uh, once said, Wilma, if you're going out on a limb, make sure that you have a lot of people out there with you. So if that limb comes crashing down, you're not on your own. That is good advice, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. if, if, if you do fall and crash, you got to make sure you can cross the bridge to get back over. Very, exactly. very, very, very good metaphor. Love that. And my last question is, who is a leader that inspires you and why? Hmm. Well, there's so many. Um, and, and I know this is going to be sound somewhat cliche, um, but uh, Nelson Mandela, um, the reason why is that um, one, I think he had a very good understanding of, of himself so and, and his impact on others. So I think he had high um, EQ. Uh, second, his ability to sustain um, all of those years in prison and still come out uh, being a positive person. And finally, his ability to forgive what um, the regime uh, did to him by locking him up for so many years. And being able to, understanding that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, forgiveness really was the path to reconciliation and the future. Well, Dr. Wilma, this is another transparent goosebump moment because if I could sit down with any leader, that is who I would choose. Hmm. So how about alignment there? That's amazing. Yes. I agree with you. Uh, he actually went back and I don't recall, and you may, did he not play some kind of football or organize some kind of sports game with the staff and went back after his release? I remember reading after all of that happened, and I don't recall the specific activity, but he is the epitome of heart-centered leadership. I think he's foundationally such a good 
role model for forgiveness. And like you said, you look at the years of how he spent his life in such a small space and where he chose to go with his thought leadership. And it just, uh, it, it leaves me speechless to think about him. And mm -hmm. if he was still alive, it would be an absolute honor to meet him. So how interesting. Well, Dr. Wilma, I knew this was going to be super fun and delightful, and I could sit and talk to you and interview you for the rest of the afternoon, but I have to let you get back to work. But I want to thank you for inspiring me, for being such a mentor, for your leadership, and just know that I just feel honored to be connected. And I want to thank you for sharing your time and expertise today on Imperfect. Thank you, Deborah. It's been my pleasure and my honor to um, have this conversation with you. I've really enjoyed it. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to more intellectually stimulating conversations and virtual coffees with you. So I'm going to close the podcast today with a beautiful quote from Deepak Chopra. And it's in alignment with Dr. Wilma. Without transcendence, life has no beauty. So thanks for joining me once again. This is Deb Crow, and we'll see you next time on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast.